Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hello and welcome back to the Back Pain and Injury Podcast. My name is Dave Elliott. I'm joined by my co-host and colleague, Rob Bevan. Today, we are talking about the problem with diagnostic labels, specifically the problem with diagnostic labels in people with lower back pain. The problem with using diagnostic labels, so diagnoses in treating people with lower back pain is that they can oversimplify the condition and can lead to inappropriate or ineffective treatments. So lower back pain is a complex and multifactorial condition. We've been through that, you know, ad nauseum on the pod itself. And a specific diagnosis may not actually reflect the underlying causes or mechanisms of the pain that you're feeling. Additionally, diagnostic labels can create the perception that a condition is fixed or what we call like a a static entity, which can limit the focus on an individual's unique experience of pain and the potential for variability in the response to treatment. This may lead to the overuse of treatments that are not evidence-based or appropriate for the individual's specific needs, such as opioids or unnecessarily uh, surgical interventions, again, like we've talked about on the podcast before. In contrast to this, a more holistic or rounded approach that considers the individual's functional limitations, psychosocial factors, and personal goals may lead to better outcomes. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Rob, hello, mate. Hello, Dave. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Now, th- this is a troubling one for me, Rob, because as a practitioner, we get taught in university. But uh, for those of you who have not listened to the podcast before, both Rob and myself are chiropractors of uh, crikey, uh, 11 years, 12 years experience. Um, and we get drilled into us our diagnostic pathways and the importance of giving a diagnosis. Now, there are, of course... Um, benefits in some categories of um, of injuries, and Rob will go through this uh, in more depth in a bit, but for the vast majority of everyday back pain, it now seems that actually it's not such a, an important thing. And this tugs on my heartstrings. This gets me in the ghoulies as a practitioner, Rob, because this is something which is, I've, I've been taught. It's like, it's like bedrock for me. You must give mm. that diagnosis. And actually the, the response and the, um, uh, the research now is quite contrary to that. It actually says it's nowhere near as important as we thought, if important at all. You're going to have to talk me through this, Rob, because I'm 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 still on the fence. Talk me around. Yeah, exactly right. As as clinicians, you know, we are, you know, we want to be Dr. House and we want to tell patients, you know, certainty is appealing. So we want to tell patients that we know that your pain is coming from that facet joint or that particular muscle, that particular ligament or all these type of things. And, you know, as far as, you know, as Dave was alluding to, I was very similar at university. That's kind of the way that we were taught. You know, we relied on the tests, these, you know, so-called special tests or orthopedic tests that we did. 
And we put so much weight on those. Do you remember, Dave? You know, this test is for this specific thing with 100% certainty and 100% accuracy. Obviously, that wasn't what we were taught, you know, verbatim, but that's kind of the way which we interpreted it. And I remember being very specific with patients that, you know, flexion means their pain is coming from their disc and extension means their pain is coming from like a facet sprain. And we know that that just, just isn't the case. And I must clear up that when we're talking about this with patients now, or what we're talking about this with low back pain, Lots, we're talking about the vast majority of what we would classify non-specific lower back pain or mechanical lower back pain. Of course, there's going to be back pain where a diagnosis is very, very important. If you've got, you know, back pain and you've got raging sciatic pain down the leg with, with pins and needles and numbness and weakness, if you have a history of prostate cancer, if you've had a recent fall and, you know, you might have a fracture, then these diagnoses are very, very important. So we're talking about the the, the run of the mill, 90% of the cases that we see on a day-to-day basis, what we would class non-specific lower back pain. So we're talking about these kind of diagnostic labels. Now, there's a really good paper which we'll kind of link by Mary O'Keefe, who's done a lot of work kind of in this space around low back pain management. And we're talking about diagnostic labels. And I kind of think there are two types of diagnostic labels when we're talking about this. There are diagnostic labels that are given specific diagnoses, like um, degenerative disc disease is a really horrible term that uh, gets thrown around a lot. There's even a Facebook group dedicated to this. Um, and lots of people being, air quotes, diagnosed with degenerative disc disease. Um, and, you know, the implications of that can be lifelong. And that also goes for things like facet degeneration and lots of other tears, arthritis and all those type of things. I think there are also um, diagnostic labels, which, you know, patients like to zone in on, um, which might often have a structural focus and, you know, you know, our professions and lots of the MSK professions have a, a part to blame in this. Things like weak core, um, leg length difference, misalignments, mysterious syndromes that you know no one else has kind of ever heard of. Mm. Um, and we'll all see patients who will come to us and they'll go, "Oh yes, you know, I've, I've been diagnosed with this syndrome," and we kind of go. Yeah, so <laughs> kind of, <laughs> what is that? Big and, it, and it and it. I think a lot of these come from a good place. So these are clinicians wanting certainty. It's um, It sells them to a patient. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Mm. Like, you know, patients want us to be confident in a diagnosis. So when we can say, yes, it's a facet, L4 facet joint on the left, that sounds really good with patients, doesn't it? Whereas if you kind of, yeah, it could be coming from lots of different structures, and also there are many reasons why you might have pain now, then it doesn't sound quite as confident. So that is where I think a lot of these, uh, you know, kind of diagnostic labels like to get thrown around. Mm. Now, when we use a term like non-specific lower back pain, and this is something that's also really good to clear up, when we are, you know, yeah, so when we're looking at a term like non-specific lower back pain, that isn't to say we don't know where the pain is coming from. It just means that we can't nail the pain down to one single structure. You know, if I look at Dave now and Dave was to stand up and go, oh, crap, my back. And, he, you know, he threw his back out, whatever the terms that lots of patients use. There are a lot of tests that might say this points to a facet joint, this points to a disc tear, this points to a muscle strain. But those tests are very, very poor. They're kind of what we term sensitivity and specificity, which basically tell us how good a test is at telling us what it thinks it does the outcomes are very poor. So as I said, if you've just done that, no matter how much testing I do, I cannot be certain that pain is coming from a facet, a muscle sprain, a lumbar disc, you know, an SI joint even. There are lots of things which we don't know. 
Mm. So that is what lumbar, you know, non-specific lower back pain means. We know that it's nothing sin- sinister or serious. We've ruled out all the nasties. And what's left is a combination of lots of other different things. So it's just that we can't nail it down to one single structure. Does that make sense, Dave? So actually, rather than an inability to diagnose, uh, or, or sorry, rather than an inability for the practitioner to nail down one diagnosis, it's actually a, a growth in the knowledge that we probably can't nail down on one diagnosis. It was almost immature to think that we could be that specific and sensitive to know that that was a facet joint or a ligament or a annular tear or discal irritation. And let's face it, the likelihood is, Rob, as practitioners, we know it's never just one thing or it's rare to be just one. You don't uh, Often we get asked by patients, oh, is it muscle or disc or nerve or tendon? You're like, well, it's, it's rare to have one without the other. Um, so our, hmm. our previous notion of a singular diagnosis, a silver bullet, a, you know, that one answer to find is actually a bit immature, a bit, a bit wrong. So mm. rather than an, it's not an inability, we're not being lazy as practitioners. This isn't a half cocked, you know, you, know, you mentioned about confidence. This isn't a lack of confidence or a lack of certainty. It's, it's a, an actual bit of clarity knowing a, not that it doesn't matter, but it's, it's, it's irrelevant which one of those four or five diagnoses it is because a, it's not going to be just one. There's probably a, an element of each in there. And B, they all have a relatively similar treatment outcome or, or um, di- um, uh, prognosis, certainly. Hmm. Yeah, and that, that's exactly the point. I think we'll come on to that in, in kind of a sec is that exactly as you said, the outcome for managing all these patients with non-specific low back pain is very similar. We know hmm. what the overarching treatments are that, that can help these patients, you know, which is our guidelines, our evidence-based guidelines, our evidence-based, evidence-based frameworks will talk about the same things. You know, that reassurance, that guidance, that return to work and exercise, some manual therapy techniques. There are lots of things which we know in, in the ballpark can help patients with, you know, this non-specific or mechanical or axial lower back pain. These are the terms that can kind of be used. Mm. And the outcomes are the same, you know, because most of these patients will get better in a matter of time anyway, without really kind of much intervention. Mm. But I think the bigger question is the negative aspects of what these labels can create. Um, You know, so when when we're putting labels on unnecessary diagnostics, you know, whether that's Mm. you've got some arthritis, you've got some degenerative disc disease. Now, yes, in some patients, this might be relevant, but not in all of them. We know the likelihood that people are going to have asymptomatic you know, arthritis, asymptomatic disc bulges, asymptomatic facet joint degeneration or degenerative disc disease. Those are very normal findings in patients with lower back pain. So if you take Dave, for example, he stands up tomorrow and he hurts his back. You know, Dave, how, you know, how old are you? You're, you're just shy of 40. <laughs> What's this just? Yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in between somewhere. What about it? <laughs> Why in between 30 and 40, you know, there are likelihood exactly the same way, the same as my spine, there are going to be some normal age-related changes. Mm. So if I tell Dave that, you know, he's had some grumbling lower back pain for a while, he stand up and his back's gone, and I send him for an x-ray, and it comes back with some normal age-related change, and I say, oh yes, you've got some, you know, you've got a bit of degenerative disc disease, and there's a little bit of L4 facet arthrosis. He's probably had that for the last 18 months, two years, five years, 10 years anyway, and is that likely to be 100% the cause of his pain now? Arguably not. Is that going to affect pretty much or lots of things that he does in the future from now on? 
Possibly. And that's obviously going to vary patient to patient, but that, that is the negatives with this. It oversimplifies the pain experience. You know, many things are contributing to that reason you have pain right now. You know, you've, you know, might've just had a baby, your sleep is suddenly piss poor. So, you know, you don't think about these things. It's far bigger than one joint that's a little bit irritated. So that's the kind of the downside of it. Um, I see, you know, when we, mm. uh, you know, and same goes for all the other things that kind of focusing on the structural cause of pain. I don't know if you think the same. Yeah. So this is like the tipping point then. So where we've talked on the podcast quite a lot before about fear avoidance behavior and sort of the, the dwindling of physical activities because people are worried about their back. This is the seed that starts that, right? So this is our, you know, we're, we're trying to by doing something good, we're trying to diagnose and be overly efficient. And actually, we could be sowing the seed for someone not working out anymore, or someone stopping running because they think, hmm. oh, shit, I've got that degenerative disc disease. I better lay off. You know, I'm, I'm approaching 40. I better stop working out, which will invariably probably end up with more back pain. So so actually, this is the this is the start of the cycle here. We're, we're cutting the... the Cyclops off the head? What? <laughs> They're cutting the cyclops yeah. off the head. I don't know if that's the uh, yeah, that's definitely yeah, not the yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it said it's that oversimplification. You know, I've had a a patient once who this is years ago. He came into me and said, "Yes, I've uh, um, you know had some low back pain. I wasn't sure what was causing it. Um, this therapist X has nailed it down to a problem with my left big toe." Um, you know, and he was going through orthotics and shoes and spending hundreds of pounds for this kind of left big toe. And it very oversimplified the pain experience. He might've had a bit of a stiff toe. I don't know. Um, but you know, was that the cause of his back pain? Kind of, you know, probably not, but he was worried around it and was mm. really thinking about his, his toe. And, you know, and it created a lot of fear and I can't remember whether he stopped doing anything or, um, you know, around, around his toe function, but, you know, he put a lot of focus on that and that came from a good place of a therapist who was looking at as the body, at the body as a whole, which, you know, patients love to hear and assessing all movement of everything and, you know, found a, a problem and pinned all of the, all of the problems on that, on that singular problem. Mm. Um, you know, the same goes with, you know, how many times have you had patients? Oh, it's always my left fall, my L4 that goes out, or it's always my left pelvis that goes out, you know, and it's, that's not the narrative we want patients to have in our mind. You know, we want to think actually I'm pretty robust, you know, mm. my back is safe, but just a bit sore right now. It's not misaligned out of place. It's not my degenerative disc disease acting up. It's a, uh, you know, it's, there's more to it. Is it just because I had a crappy night's sleep last night, you know, and now I'm doing more than I did yesterday. So I'm probably going to be a bit sore. I see. So having such a singular and, and one dimensional diagnosis, let's, let's use that example of, you know, oh, it's my L4 that, that irritates. Actually, the problem with that is that that's a, it's a, an easy thing in your mind to be like, oh, it's, it's that's broken or, or, you know, that doesn't work very well. So I either need someone to pop it back in, inverted quotes, which we all know is not right. Um, or, you know, I, I need to do something with that L4. Whereas actually, if they understood better the multifactorial and the, the sort of compounding effect of what is actually back pain, they'd realize it's not just another special stretch or a different wiggle or, mm. you know, actually there's a ton they can do because that's the big thing about back pain, because it's multifactorial, although that sounds big and scary, it actually means there's a shit ton that you can do yourself from better mm. sleep or, um, you know, real basic stuff, nutrition, that we've talked about all of this in the pod before. Um, there's loads that you can do. It doesn't have to be a trip to a therapist. It, it, it doesn't yeah. have to be this same thing again and again. There's lots more. You can pick one of those multifactors and you can help yourself. 
Mm. Exactly that. And as you said in the intro, you know, it limits the focus of that individual's unique experience and everything that mm. goes along to their kind of unique pain experience. As you said, there are so many things that can contribute to it. So it's that oversimplification. And then as you alluded to earlier, when we're looking at outcomes, the vast majority of patients with non-specific mechanical lower back pain, i.e., you know, we can't nail it down to a single structure, but we know it's nothing sinister or serious, mm. will be better in a matter of 12 weeks on average. You know, of course, some people are going to take longer and of course, some people are going to take shorter. But when we look at the whole population as a whole, most people will be better in a short term, which is very encouraging to hear. So in inside that 12 weeks, do we want to be going down the line of making people worried and thinking they need extra scans by putting these kind of poten even potential labels on things? So the outcomes are the same. The management is kind of going to be the same. Is it just patient wishes that are kind of driving this or is it clinicians want to be, you know, want to have that certainty? Mm. Yeah, I suppose once you've, if as a clinician, you are confident in that, that grouping of um, uh, diagnosis or, or a, um, a more holistic uh, diagnosis of non-specific low back pain, for instance, then that should impart onto your patient. That, that should be passed onto the patient in that confidence that it's okay. It's part of the non-specific low back pain group. That means your prognosis is dot, dot, dot. Um, I suppose the you mentioned in the beginning, Rob, you know, we, we all want to be Dr. House as clinicians. We all want to go down that diagnostic pathway and, and, and find that one answer at the end of it. The thing is, with House, he's trying to uh, decide if it's lupus or sarcoidosis, which has very different prognoses, outcomes, mm. and, and treatment, most importantly. Whereas if we go down all this diagnostic pathway and we're trying to work out, is it an L4 facet or a multifidus sprain, or a ligamentous, like the results, uh, the prognosis and the treatment is actually 99.9% .9 the same. So, so why do we need it? Yeah, e exactly. And prognosis treatment is going it. to be the same. So, yeah. so yeah, so it doesn't, exactly. It doesn't change it. It doesn't change management. Whereas the changing management by adding labels to it can be potentially worse. You know, those terms we said earlier, the arthritis, the degeneration, the disc bulge are associated with an increased likelihood of imaging, increased likelihood of surgery and a poorer prognosis. So I think it's kind of makes sense for us to kind of stop using these labels really and stop trying to worry about certainty and just be better at explaining pain. And maybe that's the problem that, you know, clinicians aren't good enough at explaining maybe have pain because, you know, of these multifactorial reasons um, rather than leaning on certainty or a want for certainty, which sounds a lot cooler and a lot sexier, but mm. maybe it's just a lack of the ability to explain why someone has pain now and not nail it down. So maybe that's kind of where it comes from. Do you think though, as a clinician, would you use the term non-specific non -specific lower back pain with a patient? So if I'm sat in front of you now mm. and you think, yeah, this guy's got nothing nasty, he's just, you know, sprain, normal back pain, would you say non-specific non lower back pain or do you use something different? Now, previously, before we've um, uh, done this research and this discussion, I would have normally used something different. I would have, however... Um, uh, because uh, of all that we've worked across uh, the last uh, you know five to ten years, we don't tend to use the degenerative disc disease or, or degeneration that sort of stuff. We, we make sure that people know it's it's normal. Um, however, I do and always have tended to try and stick down to a singular diagnosis or at least a bracket of two, three 
um, two or three different differential diagnoses. Now, I think I'd be very happy to use non-specific lower back pain. The question I've got for you, Rob, is what if the patient drills you further? What does that mean? What's involved? Would you then sort of explain the, the differentials? By the way, differentials means a diagnosis and its mate. Um, so you have your, your working diagnosis and your differentials of things that it also might be. So if, if you're my patient, I'll, I'll tell you what I'd say to a patient. I'd usually say something along the lines of, so nothing you've told me today or nothing I found in my exam mm. has given me any cause for concern. So I don't need to send you off anywhere for any imaging. I don't need to send you off to a do- another doctor, another clinician. You know, mm. I'm confident there is nothing seriously wrong with your back. The pain is likely coming from a combination of joints, muscles, nerves around the back where they are really irritated, they're really sore, they're really pissed off, kind of insert term depending on the relationship you have with the patient. This is likely due to something that you have done, if they have done something. You know, if they haven't, it's likely due to many different factors that you've done over the last couple of weeks. As he said, that baby, that lack of sleep, that stress at work, that bereavement, you know, Mm. all of these things play a small role. You know, so is it just because you've had a bereavement? Is that the only reason you have back pain? Probably not. But Mm. do these things play a small role? All of these things combined build that experience of pain that we have today. So you have a, you know, an ouchy back. It is safe, but sore. It's not damaged. It's not broken. It's just really pissed off and irritated right now. You know, we know that whilst we can't nail it down to one single structure in the back, we don't, I can't tell you now whether it's specifically that facet joint or specifically muscle. The management of all of those is very similar. Mm. So we're going to get you moving. We're going to get you active. We're going to do some hands-on treatment. We're going to do whatever it might be for that patient. We're going to look at these X, Y, and Z things. That has a very, very good outcome for patients like you. We will monitor this every day as we go, every, every time I see you as we go along. If things change, I'm here, call me, email me, whatever you need to do. And that's kind of the spiel I will give with the patient in front of me now, um, you know, with, with someone in pain. And it kind of touched all, all those bases. Obviously, there's kind of nuances and differential bits will kind of go down, but it touches all the high points of that kind of reassurance, the uh, nothing being seriously wrong, um, mm. focusing on movement. You know, yes, it's you have pain now, but lots of things contribute to it. And we can obviously put on those threads as well during a conversation because it's obviously a two-way conversation. But that is briefly the tenets of what I'll talk about. God, Rob, if I was one of our clinician um, listeners, I would be playing that over and over again and writing that down word for word. That was great. Oh, thank you, mate. It's not my first day. <laughs> but on a serious note, if anyone, um, clinician has anything to add to that, then that's really beneficial as well. So if anyone mm. listening thinks, oh, actually, I would have said that differently, we're all here to learn. So everyone can be improved. So, um, or I've said something out of turn, then yeah, let me know. Um, and that's always going to be beneficial, I think. What you're listening to here, guys, is live learning. Um, This is evolution of specifically Dave. Um, But this is practitioners growing, you know, growing out loud. Can I use that? That's a bit weird. Mm. Um, But we are literally live learning in front of you. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, do you, if you take that as an example, then if you're learning or not learning, you know, improving your knowledge in the subject, do you feel that you worry that it would make you a, a worse clinician by not telling someone. So, you, you know, if you go from Tuesday telling someone they've got a you know, joint sprain to Wednesday saying it's a combination of everything I don't really know, do you worry that that makes you a worse clinician or the patient, you know, for patients listening, do you know, do you worry that that makes your doctor sound less confident? I think by the explanation of it, 
it's essentially a, um, a, co- a likely combination of these three or four factors. Um, but the, the the sort of pole position of, of those three or four runners doesn't really matter. Um, I think that is adequate. And I think the only one that it shakes is the clinician because our special power, which we hold very dear, is that individual diagnostic tool, um, is something which... I think uh, a lot of practitioners will probably buck against because that's one of our great, um, you know, um, uh, skills, I guess. And actually, Hmm. here we are laying it out loud and saying, well, actually, it's not as important as we used to think. Um, Obviously, it goes without saying practitioners who are up in arms right now getting ready to go on Twitter. There are... um, this is for a very specific grouping of non-specific lower back pain. Of, of course, you still need to go down your diagnostic pathways and do your neuroorthopedic testing. However, it just really shakes me as a practitioner because um, it's not as important as I thought it was. I'm going to have to just mm. be better at other stuff, I suppose. But I, but I see the the skill that we have as clinicians is recognizing is safety in serious pathology. Mm. So, you know, we have that serious things which actually have a significant longer term impact is, you know, the, the hallmark of what we do as clinicians should be to be safe. Mm. So when someone comes into us and we, you know, have the skill to recognize clues from the history and clues from an exam that mean that this patient doesn't need to be here right now, they mm. need to be with a rheumatologist, a cardiologist, A&E, you know, wherever it is, we need to, that's our skill. And that's what we need to be specific on. And that's where our skill comes in. Our skill comes in in explaining these factors. Our skills come in in reassuring a patient. Our skills come into getting them back to doing something that they want to do. Mm. I don't think we should be relying on our skill of mobilizing a specific L4 convert to an L3 facet. I think that's where, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that that that, that, is placed in too high of an esteem compared to some of the other kind of communication type skills. And I think that is, that's where we should see our strength is in that communication and the reassurance rather than being overly worried about specificity when it comes to, to, to diagnosis for Mm. an overarching umbrella term, like these axial mechanical low back pain patients. Yeah. So for patients out there, this is not a, um, uh, an oversimplification due to laziness or inability of your practitioner. This is this is clarification. And for practitioners mm. out there, throughout this podcast, actually, we've used the term diagnosis when we're really we're talking about diagnostic labelling. So this is not losing the art of diagnosis, being able to diagnose red flag and um, uh, different conditions. This is evolving and changing our diagnostic labelling to fit with the current um, research. Mm. So yeah, just to, just to clarify, because we often miss that labelling because it's easier to yeah. say diagnosis. Yeah, and I think that this should give patients listening confidence. You know, if you have a patient, if you have a, a clinician that you're seeing who's saying to you, actually, it's a combination of this, or you know, mm. or it could be a bit of this. However, it doesn't really matter because the outcome is going to be the same, and the management and treatment is going to be the same. That should give you some influence that, or confidence, sorry, not influence, confidence that the person you're seeing right now is in touch with, you know, evidence-based frameworks, which, you know, we, we should be following. So that should give you confidence. It's not that they don't know what they're talking about um, <laughs> or they're kind of thinking, oh, I don't actually know. Whereas there can be a lot of kind of playing off clinicians of, we see this in Facebook groups, in our Facebook group, you know, the mm. back pain and sciatica support group, when in our Facebook group where people were saying, oh, actually my my clinician didn't know what was wrong or my clinician, oh, they, I saw this one person and they specifically nailed it down to this problem that you know no one else has paid attention to before and they've put mm. that therapist on a pedestal which is a, arguably 
kind of pointless. And it, you know, it, it they've put a lot of faith in that when actually they probably didn't need to, and it might potentially in some patients cause some problems long term. Mm. Is this going to are these labels going to cause problems in everyone? Probably not. And that's mm. what you know. We're not if you have been given a label. It's not. We're not saying this as a <laughs> um, as as a scary term. This we're talking about on average here. So you know, these this research is done on averages. Um, so that's kind of the way to look at it. I think. Absolutely, and look, as with all evolutions, this will possibly change again. We have to be ready to change with the upcoming research. Me and Rob had a little chat uh, off air just before this, and. Um, I was saying I, I'm not in looking forward to today because it, it actually <laughs> sort of undercuts something which I've believed deep down to my core mm. from the very start. Um, so it, it, ha- it was an uncomfortable learning. It wasn't an, an enjoyable evolution. Um, but I think that's what that, that kind of means that it must be good, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We should be challenging our biases um, and we should be, you know, changing things. You know, I've got biases which, you know, I'm sure are wrong and I do things which I'm sure could be improved and they, you know, hold deep to my heart. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure they're 100% is. I'd be weird if I didn't have some inherent biases that need to be challenged. Mm. Um, but that's good. That's how we learn. That's how we all change. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a good thing. Well, so I think that, that about wraps up. Yeah, strong opinions, Sorry. loosely held. Yeah. Yeah, love it. I think that about wraps up our our chat, really, on a fascinating chat on diagnostic labelling. Just un- unravelling ourselves as clinicians and winding us back up again. I like it, mate. Um, yeah. yeah, fantastic pod. This was good. I really, I really enjoyed that. So thanks everyone for listening. As a reminder, if you are someone in pain and you want someone to help you, head on over to our website, thebackpainpodcast.com, where you can simply pop in your postcode and find someone local to you tried and authenticated by us who's guaranteed to help you with your pain um they might even use the term non-specific low back pain but you know <laughs> let's hope um, may, may, maybe 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 not but they're people that we would send our own grandparents to um so you can know you're in the very best hands possible to uh, to get the best care um as always if you like what you hear please please give us a share on facebook instagram twitter we love seeing all the shared episodes. It means the absolute world to us. So please keep on up. And if you have any questions or like us to do a podcast on episode on anything, um, send us an email. Hello at the Backpin Podcast. And we will endeavor to get back to you as soon as we can. Apologies for some people. Um, if we leave it a little bit longer than expected, we are just a little bit snowed under with emails. So we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Thanks everyone uh, for listening. And we will catch you all on the next episode. Over and out. <laughs>